You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops, hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. All right, it is the H-Town Hoops Podcast with Brandon Scott, Adam Spolane. Austin Mendez handling things for us behind the scenes. And we do have a really interesting matchup coming up Wednesday night for the for the Rockets. Like, like I think it's a really interesting and important matchup to look at because look, the Rockets got to pick up a win, man. They went winless, uh, three-game losing streak on this road trip. They've been really good at home. Uh, the, the the Oklahoma City Thunder are one of the better teams in the NBA right now. They're looking really good. Young team, uh, a lot of interesting storylines and parallels there to get into with the Rockets and Thunder. So we're going to do that here on this episode. But before we do that, Adam, I do want to revisit the weekend just a little bit. And we can go as deep into it as you like. But the main thing that came out of it was – the viral scene of Rockets head coach M.A. Udoka and all-time superstar, all-time great LeBron James getting into it near the sideline or at the sideline. LeBron James taking some objection to M.A. Udoka's language. The Rockets, for the most part, getting punked by the Lakers in this particular game and M.A. Udoka taking some exception to it. Look, there was an ejection here. M.A. Udoka has a lot of technical fouls, got a double technical foul there with LeBron James that ended up being his second technical game resulting in his ejection. I think that they probably got to put a lid on some of these technical fouls. Obviously, Dylan Brooks is getting a lot of them too. But I did feel like this was a good sign in terms of the team's attitude, how they view themselves, what they think the standard is and how it's not okay to get bullied anymore. Uh, you want to make the case that they were getting bu- bullied. That's, that's how they felt about the matchup against the Rockets. And I think Rockets fans have been waiting for a team that is willingly and capable of stepping up in a way like this. What, what was your sort of response? What did you make of this sort of back and forth between the Rockets and the Lakers? Well, this is who Udoka is. Uh, he's a he's a tough, hard nosed guy. Um, that's how he was in Boston. I'm assuming that's how he was as a player. 
Uh, and he's not going to back down from anything. And I, I think he's hoping that his team will take that same attitude to where it's one of these players getting in LeBron's face or I don't know if it's getting in his face, but, you know, going at LeBron like that as opposed to him doing it. So I, I think ultimately he's going to be who he is. And I think that he would like to see his players kind of handle themselves in that same manner. And I, I think that's why players seem to respond to him. Um, he's not shy about going after his own players and he's not shy about being blunt. You know, he's a very blunt person. He's blunt um, with players individually. He's blunt uh, through the media. And so um, I, I don't think it's necessarily a great look to be getting into a back and forth with LeBron James during a game, but that's just who he is. And I think it's important for a coach to be himself because that's how you get buy-in from everybody else. If you try to, to be someone you're not, players can see right through that. And so I think that Yudoka is being himself and that's who he's going to be. And Hey, if, if it works great. And I think that he would ultimately like to see his team kind of be the same way. Yeah. And, and that's the the sense of it. That I get that the, and you heard the players talk about this and you were around for Monday's practice for Monday's shoot around when they talk about, and this was probably after the game as well, but they talk about wanting to adopt the identity or sort of adopt the mentality and mindset and approach of their head coach. Basically, they want to emulate him in certain ways. And I think for me, it just comes down to setting the tone for what you want to be about. Like this is this is a team that is trying to find itself, but at the same time, it's one that's got to sort of like establish a, a certain standard of like, hey, this is not, we're not going to, it kind of reminds me of this, Adam, to a far lesser degree because this is a coach more so than the players. But you remember last year, that Atlanta game, the one in the Toyota Center where the, uh, DeJounte Murray taps Jabari Smith Jr. on the head and they kind of object to it and then they really respond in kind and, and really kind of, it seemed like after that moment, like they're, I don't want to say their approach was different, but it was sort of this marquee moment of like, hey, we're not going to just roll over or just take any kind of level of disrespect. Now, I don't I don't feel like the the the, the difference here was there wasn't much disrespect. I felt like that was going on with the Lakers uh, other than just the fact that they were dominating them. But but Yudoka, for whatever reason, felt the need to tell them. To stop bitching or to stop whatever and and lebron james did not like the language took exception to the language but i think to your point that's just more so of ma udoka's personality and the way that he communicates like he's just not gonna sugar sugar a thing so some sometimes it's gonna come off uh a little bit raw but at the end of the day it's just it's really just them sort of trying to set a tone and, and establish an identity of being a little bit more of a tougher team. And at the end of the day, this is a competition. Like you can be friends with guys or, you know, whatever, and you can admire them, but you're still competing against them. And I remember um, back, it was early last season and they were playing Milwaukee. I think it was the second or third game of the year. And John Lucas is joking with Jabari Smith about, Hey, that's Giannis. You want to go get his shoes? Because, you know, you kind of are, especially when you're a young team, you're kind of, you tend to be in awe of some of these guys who you've watched and um, watched play at a very high level. And you've probably been fans of them as you're growing up. But now you're, you're competitors, you know, you're on that same level. And now you're trying to beat those guys. So instead of trying to 
you know, you, you can be respectful of those guys. Sure. But at the same time, you got to try and beat them. And so you need to play with an edge. Like if you're going to sit there and be in awe of playing against LeBron James or Anthony Davis or Giannis or Nikola Jokic, you're going to get beat. And so like, you have to go and take that attitude of, I'm going to compete against you. Like, I think that's what is kind of refreshing. I know it kind of rubs people the wrong way, but you know, Dylan Brooks is never, you know, Dylan Brooks has no issue going at guys and Dylan Brooks. Uh, I think that Ime Udoka, one of the things that drew Ime Udoka to Dylan Brooks is that Brooks kind of carries himself the same way that Udoka does where, you know, you can respect a guy, but at the same time you want to beat that guy too. And so I think that's kind of, you have to have that, competitive edge to you i think if you want to be successful in this league and i think that's what yudoka is probably trying that's the point that he's trying to get across yeah and also fight back i think that was the parallel i was really trying to make yeah with the with the atlanta thing fight back you know like like if you get pushed push back you know there's there is a there's just kind of a base level standard of that you know that that should exist and i i think that you like to see it now i do i did find it kind of funny that of all people in a situation like this, especially one involving LeBron James, that Dylan Brooks would be the one to be the peacemaker. Like, like I mean, that 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 was kind of surprising to me um, when when cooler heads prevail and cooler heads being Dylan Brooks, you know that things are kind of getting a little bit out of hand. You know, like that 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 to me is is a sign of okay, maybe everybody does need to take a timeout. Maybe 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 guys need to go to the locker room if Dylan Brooks is got to be the guy that's the peacemaker. Yeah, and just because, and, and just one more point to what I was making before. Just because you're young, it doesn't mean that you can just be like pushed around. Yeah, and, and I think that once you learn that, once you learn that you can be the push, you know, you can be the pusher, not the pushy, then you're going to be in a, a in a much better position. And um, the, the older players and the veteran players, at the end of the day, they'll respect you for it. Yeah, and, and I, I like a, a team with a little bit of attitude, like to 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 toe that line, to kind of live on the edge a little bit, but not cross it. You know, you want to, like you said, it's probably not the greatest look to be sitting up there arguing with LeBron James in the middle of a game. But hey, look, I, I I don't mind a team and I actually prefer a team that has a little bit of edge to it. But I want to ask you about this other thing that you wrote about on SportsRadio610.com. The free throw discrepancy that the Rockets have experienced so far this year. You wrote about it in detail and it's something that the Rockets were just vocal about or have been vocal about in recent days i did find it a little bit interesting that yudoka is calling out lebron james and the lakers for whining and complaining about calls but then their team there is also complaining about not getting to the free throw line as much but but there's some numbers that back this up what is your sort of take here on the free throw description because look to me they're attacking the basket they're aggressive they probably should be at the free throw line more than they are but you know, I struggle with this. How much do I blame on, on on officials and how much conspiracy theory there really is? How much do you want to lean into complaints about officiating? But there there does seem to be some numbers that back up the notion that there's a. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A somewhat striking discrepancy between the free throw, uh, the amount of free throws that the Rockets take and the amount of free throws that their opponents are taking. So last year, they averaged 50.2 drives per game, which was seventh most in the league. This year... They are averaging 43.1 drives per game, which is eighth fewest. So when they say that we drive to the basket too, yeah, they do, but they're not driving to the basket nearly as much as some of these other teams are. So, and they're not doing it nearly as much as they did last year. So I I think that some of the complaining that they had um, the other day, it's a little unfounded. But, I mean, this is just life in the NBA, especially when you're a young team. You're not going to necessarily get the benefit of the doubt with some officials. And that's just that's just life. And you just have to be able to play through it. And um, at some point, if you deserve it, you will you will start to maybe get some calls that maybe you weren't in the past. Um, I, I certainly get the frustration when you look up at the scoreboard. If you're Ime Yudoka and you see that you've been called for 12,000, they've been called for 3,000. Yeah, you're, you're going to be upset and you're going to be annoyed by that. But you know, the Lakers are a team that they don't foul a whole lot as it is. Um, that That's, you know, one of when you're an older team, when you're a veteran team, you have guys that kind of know how to trick officials a little bit better than others. So um, I, I saw, you know, them complaining about officiating. I saw that more as just something that teams do. Um, I don't think that there is some like vendetta against them by the league or anything like that. I just think that that's I, I think that you are seeing some guys that are averaging less free throws, but I think that part of that is, you know, Jalen green, isn't going to the rim nearly as much this year as he has in the past. So if that happens, you're not necessarily going to get as many calls. I do think uh, Alperen Shengu needs to be better at getting to the free throw line. Um, uh, you look at um, his game on Saturday, I think what he finished with 21 points on 24 shots. And I think he attempted two free throws. Like that's something that needs to be better. And he needs to have the ability to get to the line because part of the reason they're not driving the ball as much this year as they did last year is that they're playing through him in the post or, you know, at the elbow. And so he's just not going to draw as many free throws when you're doing that. So I think part of this is if he's going to have the ball as much as he is, he's got to be a little bit more physical. He's got to try and draw a little bit more contact. And I think that will help get him to the free throw line a little bit more. Yeah, well, okay, so good on you for mentioning Alper and Shingun because I was going to stop you right there at the Jalen Green point, and you brought it up. Like, how much of it, how much of the free throw discrepancy is also, or the let, let's just call it actually the Rockets not shooting as many free throws as they would like, how much of that is actually an inconsistently aggressive Jalen Green? Like, like never mind how inconsistent the, the output actually is or the production actually is. He's not the same level of aggressive night in and night out. And then you add that Alperin Shingun point that you just made to the to the mix. These are two of your, your probably your two highest volume shooters, or at the very least should be. Certainly Alperin Shingun is the one who the offense is being run through. Jalen Green presumably is somebody who could be and should be your leading scorer on a, on a season by season basis. These are guys who have the ball a lot. Like if 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 they're going to the foul line more, if they're doing a better job at draw, at drawing contact and getting to the foul line, then these numbers look a lot different. All right. So Jalen Green last year, 
12.9 drives per game, which was second most on the team behind Kevin Porter Jr., who's not here. So that's 12.9 drives a game last year. This year, 9.9. See, that's – I mean, come on. You can't have that. And he's supposed to have the ball more or so, supposed well, to be in more ball. He, he doesn't have the ball as much, though. I mean, well, that, well, I think that's part of the reason is that he just – he's not touching the ball as much this season as yeah. he has in the past because they are playing through Shingun just yeah. so much more this year than they have in the past. Um, so right now, Fred Van Vliet leaves, leads them in drives per game. Uh, I do – I think as this season you know moves along – I imagine that they would like to see that number go up for green. And I think that he's got to do a better job of finding, you know, of picking his spots and understanding that, you know, there are going to be lanes to the rim, but also at the same time, if he's going to be on the floor a lot with Shingun, the lane might be clogged up a little bit just because of how teams are going to defend him. So it, it's kind of a, it, it, it's one of those things where you, you have something, but then at the same time, it's going to, it might take away from something. So I think that's the balance that they have to try and find. Yeah, but I'm I'm not sure what the justification would be other than maybe because Fred Van Bleet is the point guard and the primary primary ball handler, but I don't know what the justification would be for him you know leading the team in drives per game more so than Jalen Green. Like based off of Jalen Green's athletic profile and what he's all about, the fact that it's so damn hard to stay in front of the guy like, I feel like that's something that's got to be reversed or, you know, at some point Jalen Green's got to pass him up and being the the leader, pass Fred Van Bleed up and being the leader of drives per game for the Rockets. I, like, I think that has to, I feel like that has to happen and probably shouldn't even be the case this early on in the season. And I'll just add one more thing. Jalen Green is averaging six fewer front court touches this season than he did last year. So this year he's at 28.2. Last year he was at 34.1. Uh, and again, a lot of those are going to Shengun. Shengun last year, 38.5. Um, this year, he is at 46.7. So this offense is being run through Shengun. And so that's going to take away some of those driving opportunities for Green. That's why I, I think it's just really important for Shengun to be able to get to the line a little bit more. And to, like, we know Shengun can be physical, but I think that he's got to show that just a little bit more. Yeah, man. And, and speaking of physicality and, you know, fouling and free throw discrepancy, the Rockets do have the Oklahoma City Thunder at Toyota Center. They're hosting these guys after this road trip. And I mentioned it earlier at the top of the show, man. The Rockets need a win, man. They, 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 they need a W just to get out of this funk, man. They've lost three straight. They play a lot better at home. They're not very good on the road. Conversely, the Thunder, it is a really good road team. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a really good team, period, right? They're, they're, they're second in the West as we speak, or at least the, the last time that I looked is <laughs> closest to when we speak. Um, second in the NBA in net rating. Um, top five. It looks like I'm seeing here they're the only team in the top five in field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and three-point percentage. It's a team that they've talked about or at least in recent days, looking ahead to this matchup, they've talked about trying to defend without fouling, considering the best player on that team is Shea Gildress Alexander. And he's somebody that is does a good job of getting to the foul line and hitting his free throws. Um, the big story, I think, or the, the the main headline in this game between the Rockets and the Thunder is probably the the first matchup between the number two overall pick uh, from, from, I guess, now two drafts ago or from, 
let's just call it from 2022 in Chet Holmgren and then Jabari Smith Jr., uh, the number three overall pick who the Rockets selected. But I think I think that's the game within the game, but it's also an interesting matchup in terms of, you know, the Rockets doing all of this fouling and all of this hacking. You know, their primary defenders in Dylan Brooks and Jay Sean Tate being guys who quite frankly foul a lot and the Thunder being a team that takes advantage of getting fouled and getting to the line and, is, and it just is overall a really good team. How are you sort of viewing this matchup going in? What's the what's sort of the the storyline that you're most attentive to keeping in mind you got this Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren thing going? Well, I think you said it a minute ago. They need to they need a win. And I'll be really interested just to see how they respond to the road trip, especially Saturday, where Ime Udoka called out the effort. Like he did not think the effort was good enough on on Saturday. So you know, does that mean that they compensate? And does that mean that you see the correct amount of effort played in this game uh, that that you would like to see? Um, they have responded well when they have been challenged so far by Udoka. So um, are they able to do that again? Uh, the schedule, hey man, it's the West. Uh, and the schedule is pretty unforgiving. But you play this game and then you play um, Denver on Friday and then you get a little bit of a lull just in terms of terms of opponents where it's San Antonio, Memphis, Memphis, and Memphis won't have John Morant um, during that stretch. So um, it's an opportunity. If you can get this game, I think that you would feel pretty good about how things would go before you get into that East Coast trip with uh, where uh, they have Milwaukee or I guess Midwest trip with Milwaukee and Cleveland. Um, so I think certainly they need they need a win. Um just if anything, to make sure that they're they don't you don't want to fall too far below 500 as you're trying to get one of these playing spots. Um, as for the game itself, uh, I'll be interested to see who they stick Dylan Brooks on. Um, is this a matchup where they want him on Shea Gilgis Alexander? I don't know if you would want to have that as a primary matchup because, like you talked about with the fouls, that's a really good way of uh, of getting uh, Dylan Brooks into some foul trouble and not having him on the floor a whole lot. But uh, I, I'm I would like to see chet holmgren play and i think that we've been waiting for this for a long time um I, I think there was a thought that maybe he could wind up as a rocket you know just with the third pick once palo bancaro uh was taken one I, I think that a lot of people thought that jabari smith would go to i know jabari thought that he was going to go to to oklahoma city after orlando passed on him and would that leave chet to the rockets uh and chet's been really good and i think people forget how good of a prospect he was when he was at Gonzaga, I mean, this was the guy who I think a lot of people thought would be, I think he didn't go number one because I think people were looking for reasons not to take him number one. And it was the slight build and, you know, some of the, you know, people were worried about the injury stuff, but he's like a shorter women. He, he's a shorter Victor women. Yes. Almost like with the skill level and the size and the shot blocking ability. And uh, he's a better shooter. And I just remember it, there was one sequence with him at Gonzaga. Um, he And it, it's hard when you're playing at Gonzaga because your toughest games of the season are really early in the season. And when you're just out of high school, that, that's tough. Like it, it's tough to play your toughest games when you're just starting your college career. And so he got a lot better as that season went along, but he was playing against easier competition. And so he had one sequence to get to San Diego where he hits a three on one end of the floor Next trip down, 
he blocks a shot, gets the rebound himself, and takes it to the rim all on his own for a dunk. It was just an absurd three-possession sequence that really, I don't know how many people could actually, nobody else could do that probably uh, in the college game. But to see him be able to do that, it's like, wow, that's that. how is that real? And you're starting, now that he's healthy, you've seen that start to translate over in the NBA, and he's competitive as hell. Um, he's just so incredibly skilled. And it's just, it's going to be a really fun matchup just to see him against Shingun, to see him against Smith, uh, because in essence, you're going to see a lot of just the future of the league in this game. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And I'm also glad that you made the Victor Wimbenyama parallel there, because I, I have thought this, I think since the preseason, because I watched the Thunder and the Spurs play against each other in the preseason, and it was a, it was a back and forth between, at times at least, between Wimby and Chet. And it was one of those where you're like, man, this this does look exactly like the future of the league. But it really kind of put into focus how the year before, before like the Victor hype had really taken off the way it the way it eventually did when it was time for him to really get drafted or, you know, when it was the his draft coming up, Chet was kind of like that. It's like the the seven the guy that's over seven feet but has guard skills and and plays like a guard but has these long arms and can really kind of transcend things for you defensively kind of what kevin durant has turned into and i'm not saying these guys are going to necessarily be kevin durant or be like an all-time scorer the way durant is but the way he can kind of control both ends of the floor simultaneously like the the exact play that you illustrate there where you block a shot on one end or you, you like you make a shot on one end, come down to the other, block a shot, then take it down to the other. Uh, and you're basically just the, you are, in, in, for all intents and purposes, the team in, in some in some stretches. You're, you're the defensive anchor and you're the guy who can do anything on offense. You know, like to me, it's the, it's the future. I heard, I heard an interesting point of like, hey, there are going to be more, guys like this going forward like more guys who are seven feet that are just going to train and build themselves up to be essentially guards in mutant bodies and seven seven one seven two plus bodies now i don't know how many guys like there's not like that many guys that are that tall to begin with that are that just exist but the guys who are are going to be more inclined to train and be like like gone are the days where you're seven two, and you're gonna play like, you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, you're not you're not playing back to the basket. Hey, I want to be sort of the traditional what a seven two guy used to be. You want to look like Chet. You want to you want to look like Wimby. You know you want to be, you know the 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 old the oldest school version of it would be like Rick Smiths. You know what I mean? You want to be a, a taller guy who shoots jumpers well, and does Durant. things like that. Or or you want to be Kevin? You want to be Kevin Durant? That's what started it. it was yeah yeah. You want to be Kevin Durant? Certainly like. 
that's that's what we're looking at. We're, we're not looking at the traditional kind of big man. This is the big man of the future. And, you know, Jabari to a lesser degree is that, you know, he's more of a traditional big man height at 16, 6'11", or whatever he is. But very much so looking forward to the future of the game. I do think it's interesting that all the way leading up to the draft, and you and I did draft coverage and we're all over this, we thought – basically up until that day and there was talk about it earlier in the in the day of the draft but going into that day it seemed like jabari smith jr would be the number one overall pick and he slides from one all the way to three and meanwhile to your point chet is somebody who could have easily been the number one overall pick and neither one of them was the number one overall pick right you know so you got a draft with three guys who were highly regarded any of them could have gone first and you see how it played out but because of Chet's Chet Holmgren's injury last year, you didn't get to see this matchup because of the odd scheduling and the fact that the Rockets have not played the Thunder yet, despite having played the, the Nuggets 55 times already. You haven't seen that matchup yet. And then underlying for this to me, Adam, is chet's coming out the gate here like for all intents and purposes this is his rookie season because he didn't play last year because of the injury chet's coming out of the gate looking like i wouldn't say superstar status but looking like hey he could be you see where that guy could be a top two or three player on a winning team he already kind of is whereas jabari i think a good way to put it is the way i saw it written one of our colleagues michael shapiro i saw him write it as kind of a more of a slow burn you know, it was a disappointing start to his career, but he kind of picked it up there at the end of his rookie year. We talk about summer league and how great he was. And then this year, man, he's been wildly consistent, wildly efficient. That field goal percentage is up closer to around 50. And the three-point percentage, correct me if I'm wrong on these numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but I think the three-point percentage, three point percentage is somewhere around 35. And so it's... It's better. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on those numbers. I just went off of memory. I could be off. But I feel like it's way better now. And now it feels like more of a – it feels like more of a matchup than it would have last year when Jabari was struggling. And obviously Chet didn't play. So uh, so I'm, I'm highly anticipating it. I think from a from a Rocket standpoint, I, I would wait to put Dylan Brooks on – Shea Gilders Alexander until later in the game to kind of preserve him and see, honestly, I'd like to see Jalen Green step up and, and, and play a little defense on, on, on Shea. And, and maybe that is the assignment. We'll see how they play, how it plays out. But I think this is one of the more fun games and more fun matchups for the Rockets for a number of reasons. Yeah. And both teams are, are rested and both teams are healthy. And so, or at least I believe so. I, I haven't seen, I'll look and see if there's an Oklahoma City injury report right now. But you're going to, you should be able to see these teams at full strength and and see them seemingly at their best. And so I think that that's another reason why tomorrow is, is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Now, I, I want to ask you about, as we move along here, the in-season tournament thoughts. You know, the Rockets were eliminated from the in-season tournament last week when they lost to the Mavericks. And now we are getting to the nitty gritty of the end season tournament, the semifinals we've got, damn it. On one side, I just had it up and I, and I closed it out, but I know the Pacers advance. 
the other night. I was really locked in on that game. And then I was watching the Bucks. I think it was the Bucks who beat the Knicks tonight. And so it's going to be the Pacers and Bucks on one side of the bracket. And then you've got the Pelicans, I think, that are awaiting. As we record this right now, the Lakers and the and the Suns are playing. And I think the winner of that is going to get is going to get the New Orleans Pelicans in the semifinals of the in-season tournament. I was real dismissive of the tournament, man. I did eye roll, shoulder shrug, not really interested, just you know, okay, it's here, but I don't really feel like I need to pay attention to this. And then they come out and they do the thing with the courts and they've got the, you know, media trying to sell it to you. And, you know, every broadcast that you watch, it's a, it's a focal point of the broadcast in terms of what it means and them just trying to sell you on it. And I think eventually, I, I wouldn't say that I'm sold on it per se, but I got to a point where I'm not like, annoyed by it or i gotta be the guy that's like oh this is dumb why are they doing this i don't feel like it's necessary but i did enjoy some of the competition that indiana get the, the the pacers game from the other night i thought was really compelling i thought you've seen some compelling matchups i don't like the idea that it that this is what maybe it takes to get guys up for a regular season game but if that's what it is then that's what it is um, yeah, man, once I finished complaining about how unnecessary and weird I thought it felt, I, I feel like I was able to accept it. And I've actually, for the most part, found it enjoyable, if not necessary. Uh, you know, I don't mind it. What What are your in-season tournament thoughts? I, I think that they're just normal, regular season games. Like, I, I, I don't think, like, would that pacers celtics game last night have been any different if it were just a normal regular season game i don't think so like i think that nba players like to compete and so when they get on the floor they're going to play hard and they want to win and they want to beat the guy in front of them so i don't think that they want to just from from everything that i've heard like i'll, I'll listen to jason tatum after they lost that game yesterday and somebody's like asking him about like the disappointment of not winning the NCAA turn or not winning the in-season tournament. And he says, I'm disappointed we don't get to go to Vegas. Yeah. Like, like that kind of is the, the, the it turns out NBA players like Vegas and they like money and they like to compete. So that's what you're throwing out there. So yeah, maybe, maybe they are are into it because they would like to go to Vegas during the season. Like it's it's not easy for NBA players to get to go to Vegas during uh, during the regular season. Um, you know, might be one or two guys who are able to do it, but not everybody. And so Jason Tatum now, he was looking at being able to go to Vegas this weekend. Now he's got to go back to Boston and they got a game on Friday in Boston. So he was going to get to, if they'd have won that game last night, he'd be in Vegas right now. And so I think, yeah, there's probably some disappointment that he doesn't get to go to Vegas now. But I, I think that these are, have basically been normal regular season games and it helps that you get compelling Matt. Like it, it helps that you get, an Indiana team in there that is playing well and they can score. They have the best offense in the league. So you get them in there. So of course it's going to be an entertaining game because it's going to be high scoring. The same thing with the, the game last night with the Sacramento and new Orleans, you have two really good offenses. So of course that's going to be an entertaining game, but I don't think that it's like been any more compelling or than any other regular season game. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think that, like I, I've I seen some stuff. Oh, Adam Silver, he he got this one right. And you know, 
credit to Adam Silver for having the like, no, this is just a regular season basketball game and they are playing hard because that's what NBA players do. NBA players, when they take the floor, they want to win the game. And I'll just add one more thing. Um, last week, the Rockets are getting ready to play Dallas. And if they win this game, they advance to the knockout stage of the in-season tournament. And I asked Tari Eason flat out, does this game feel any different than any other game that you've played since you've been in the NBA? And again, this is an opportunity to get into the quarterfinals of the in, of the in-season tournament. And he flat out said no. <laughs> like he did not, there was no, there was no elaboration. He just said no. And the other thing that he would later go on to say is, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, we'll play wherever you want us to play, whoever you want us to play against. We're going to play our style. We're going to play hard. And that's what NBA players do. Like I know people complain about effort and stuff like this, but NBA players, they compete and they want to win. And that's what you're seeing in these in-season tournament games. Yeah, I've always thought it was a little bit overplayed that NBA players didn't compete in the regular season. I I, I would more complain about some of the low management stuff feeling like it got out of hand. Like but that's on maybe, the teams. Yeah, right. They, and that's and that's a different, that's a totally different discussion. You're right. It's about the that. teams that don't take the regular season seriously, or at least the good teams, because they're trying to keep their guys healthy for postseason runs. Like NBA players want to play. Like, do you remember Jay? I remember there was one year James Harden got heat because he 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 had a little bit of a bum wrist and he kept playing. And people are like, well, no, he needs to sit out some games. Like, why are you, was he chasing the MVP? It's like, no, like James Harden's not, James Harden is a basketball player and James Harden loves to play basketball and he's going to play basketball if he's physically able to play bas basketball. Like these guys want to play and these guys want to compete and these guys want to win. So I just, I, I think some of the discourse surrounding this has just, has, has just missed the mark. Yeah, well, the thing, if we're talking about discourse that misses the mark, the thing that annoys me more about any of the conversation around this is like, like I, I just didn't feel like the in-season in tournament was necessary. I, I didn't need it to get invested in the game. I'm going to be invested whether I like I am or am not, okay? It's not the in-season tournament is not going to get me in or take me out. So I didn't need it. But the the part of the conversation that annoyed me would be like when I'd hear people say, hey, I don't care about such and such player, Jason Tatum, you name the player getting an extra $500,000. Or I don't care about Jalen Green or whoever else getting a trip to Vegas or just whatever it is, whatever the, the rewards are for advancing in this tournament. And I'm like, it's not, it, it's not about you caring about them getting those things. It's about if there's any added motivation for those players in those moments to play a little bit harder. Like it doesn't matter if Jason Tatum is motivated by the $500,000, the the random and justified trip to Vegas that he would get if they advanced to the to the semifinals, whatever it, the playing good on the on the different fancy courts, whatever it is. It doesn't it doesn't matter or if or if he just wants to play anyway. Like a, kind of to your point, like they just want to compete. If there's any kind of added motivation, it's not about you caring about what they're motivated by. It's about it ultimately resulting in a better product in a more competitive basketball game. And if that happens and everybody wins, no matter if you care about a millionaire getting an extra half a million dollars or or an extra trip to Vegas or not, 
You know, like I, I thought that part of it missed the mark too. I'd see like, oh, why am I supposed to care about so-and-so getting getting this money or getting this opportunity? Like you don't, you don't have to care about that. Just just know that that has been one way that the league has incentivized this competition and this tournament to be a little bit more meaningful than just, hey, here's an in-season tournament. No, here, here's what you get out of it. And if you're motivated by that, let's see if that turns out or turns up in the games. But to your point, I would say I was actually like, like it, it also comes down to, for me, it comes down to, do you like basketball or not? Like, do you like to watch the NBA or not? Like I was giddy when I pulled up my phone earlier in the day and I'm like, what's on my NBA slate today? What, what, what can I watch in the NBA tonight? And it's like, okay, Knicks Bucks, you can interest me in that. Suns Lakers, you can interest me in that. There are good enough, great enough players on all four of those teams for me to say, presume, assuming that they're playing, that they're healthy and the guys are playing. I don't need a tournament to tell me, hey, the Knicks and the Bucks is a pretty good matchup in the Eastern Conference. The, the Suns and the Lakers, that's a pretty good matchup at 9 o'clock at night. You know, like I'm I, I'm into the NBA. I'm into basketball. I don't need any games, tricks, and gimmicks to get me into it. Yeah, and listen, they, they are going – this is not going to be the only year that they do this. They will continue – they will make tweaks to it. Um, they will – and this is going to be something that they sell to TV partners. So it's not going anywhere. Um this is just this is just going to be the new normal. And listen, if the league wants to do it, fine. That's more power to them if they want to tweak things and try and make things a little bit more compelling in the regular season. I get it. It's a long season. It is a very long season, and you are fighting for eyeballs um, in a in a football landscape this time of year. So, and, hey, anything that you can do if it works, great. You know, it 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 means nothing to me. You know, if it uh, if it work if if they have a huge rating for the championship game on Saturday, you know, that's that's great for the league. Um, if they have a, you know, if it's Sacramento and Indiana or not, if it's New Orleans and Indiana Saturday, the ratings probably not going to be that great, but you know, that's just, that's just how it is. So um, I, I, I get for, in, in one respect, I give silver credit for trying something. And I will say to me, the most exciting part of this tournament is, was uh, last week trying to figure out who the Rockets would play if they qualified for the knockout round, or if they didn't qualify for the knockout round, like we were going through that after practice, just like going through, because the way, obviously we were going through the scenarios of who would advance out of the other groups. Um, if the Rockets were to advance and then you're trying to figure out, okay, if the Rockets don't advance and they would play two games, you know, this week against teams that they're only scheduled to play against, you know, three times. And so you're going through the schedule. Okay. See, they only play Oklahoma city three times. They're on the list, but they play, you know, However, you know, Team X, they play four times, so cross them off. So uh, I like the – I've liked this, the scheduling scenarios. Just that's the nerdy part in me. Yeah, well, but that – see, that, that's cool from a nerd standpoint and from a – I like hey, the process. Hey, let's play out these different type of scenarios. But I feel like it's kind of a, a downside from for a fan experience, and, and I don't know how related this is. But the schedule's been clunky, man. Like, they go all of these stretches without playing games. And that was before you get into the thick of the end-season tournament. And then you get to that point that you're talking about, and you don't know when your team's going to play again. And then you got all of these different days or all of these different stretches, I should say, where there's multiple days between games. 
Like, I feel like if if they are making strides or if they are taking some kind of step forward with this in-season tournament, and I don't know that they are or that they're not, but if they are, it feels like it's definitely a step back with the scheduling and the, the lag time between games. I'm not sure if the Rockets are unique in this way, but having multiple times where you go three, four days without a game and you just lose the buzz of whatever it is your team is doing, whether they're losing or winning, like whatever energy is behind what's going on with the team, it goes away for a few days. And that city, God forbid, if they've got a football team, gets three days to just focus on everything else that's going on in the city. And then it's like, oh, yeah, the Rockets play tonight. You know, like I don't I don't think that that part of it is good for the league. I would like them. And I don't know. I don't have the answer. I hate to complain about a thing and not even have a suggestion for a solution. But I, I would like for them to figure out the scheduling part of it a little bit better from a fan experience standpoint, even if we like to do some of the nerd things. Well, I don't think the breaks that the Rockets have had in the schedule is due to the NC. Like this week, yeah, th- this is an in-season tournament break, essentially. But I don't think that the the breaks that they've had throughout the season are because of the in-season tournament. I just think that they've had a weird schedule. And you just look, the Rockets have played 17 games this season. Uh, Boston's played 20, Milwaukee's played 21, Orlando's played 20, Philly's played uh, 19, New York's played, you know, a bunch of these teams were in the but they are, the the Rockets schedule has been an outlier where basically everybody else has played at least 19 games and they're the one team that's played 17. So that's, so their, their schedule isn't necessarily because of the in-season tournament, the break that they had Saturday to Wednesday, that's in-season tournament related uh, more than anything. The one thing I'm interested to see though tomorrow um, just logistically, this game was announced, what, a week ago? So what are crowds going to be like at these games? Because normally when you get an NBA, you know, when you're planning out, if you're going to go to an NBA game, you have months of notice and the Rockets don't really have that right now. They are going to kind of play a random game on December 6th against a Oklahoma City team and, you know, there's just not a whole lot of notice. You know, how did it work with season ticket holders? Um, were those tickets just sent? You know, so it's kind of a, a weird logistical aspect of that has come with with this whole thing is that you're scheduling games on the fly. And that's just not like you get a, you know, in the past, you got your 82 game schedule. Those were the 82 games, you know, and now all of a sudden you're getting 80 and then you're just, you randomly get a couple of games scheduled uh, on very short notice. Yeah. It, it's just, uh, and you're right about the, Rocket schedule kind of being the the outlier, somewhat of an anomaly, but it, it, it is a weird coincidence, an awkward coincidence that their schedule they would have a weird schedule year in a year when the when the league is trying an experimental project that impacts the schedule and, and plops right there in the beginning of the season. It's just like, whoa! It's like. A lot of new things are happening. A, a schedule outlier, especially from a rocket standpoint, you got this outlier of a schedule. You got all of these new figures on the team, and then you got this new tournament thing that's going on. That's that's more of a league thing. It's not just local. It's a league league wide thing, and it's almost like a it's almost like it feels like a different league experience in some ways when you combine all of those things. You're like, man. My team's different. The the scheduling is different. The habits are different. And then and then the court is funky. 
what's going on? Like the, the court is all red. Like what happened? You know, uh, like it's just a, it is just an odd, it is an, it has been an odd fan experience so far when you combine all of those things. But I reached a point, man, where I was like, look, I'm not going to be the old man yelling at the cloud about the end season, the end season tournament, even if it does nothing for me, I'm just going to kind of ride the wave and see where it goes and, and watch basketball kind of to your point earlier, man, of like, Hey man, they just want to play. They want to play basketball. It's the teams that want to load management, want to load manage. And then it's certain players who have, let's say, an injury history or are experienced players and don't really want to go through the minutia of the regular season who might also say, hey, it's better for me to load manage. But for the most part, guys do want to play. So I think we're in agreement that way more is made of not just way more too way too much is made of NBA players supposed laziness or reluctance to play in say December, you know, like I don't, I, I think that that is overplayed. These guys do get up for the games. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So last thing, and we'll get out of here. I saw a headline, I ran across a headline in the Houston Chronicle that says, could Alperin Shingun be an all-star? And we've talked a lot about Alperin Shingun, and rightfully so, because he's the guy who the offense is running through. He's probably the guy that's shown the most year-to-year improvement out of anybody on the team. He is, I think, we, we've established on this podcast, we're in agreement that he's their best player. But I don't feel like we had discussed him from the standpoint or from the context of could Alperin Shingun be an all-star this year? Should Alperin Shingun be an all-star this year? Where do you stand? And just to complete the headline before I ask the question, the headline in the Chronicle is, could Alper Shingun be an all-star? And I think the rest of it is how much the Rockets win matters or something like that. So basically saying, you know, it, it's going to team success is going to factor into this more or less. Where could are you he, on this? Could, could, could he? Could, could he? Could he? Sure, he could. Will he? Probably not. And it, it's not necessarily have it doesn't have anything to do with him. It's just that you play in the West and only 12 guys get to make it. So like I, I can go run through through some of these other players who are probably going to be all-stars and and you tell me who shouldn't make it of, of the bunch. It's like so like you have um Anthony Edwards, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, Kevin Durant, Brad, uh, uh Devin Booker, um, De'Aaron Fox, uh Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Like that's 10 names just right yep. there. That's just yep. that's just on seven teams. And so I haven't even gotten to to Zion Williamson or the Clippers guys or Steph Curry yet. So, like, could he make it? Absolutely. Will he? You know, it's going to depend on it'll depend on injuries. It'll depend on maybe if the team is winning games. Um, But I wouldn't say that. Yeah, he's a lock or anything like that. I just think that um, it's one of those things where he probably won't make it like right away. But a couple guys drop out, then yeah, then maybe he's got a chance. But it's just, it's really, really difficult to punch through and to be that first time All Star. So, I, so could he? Yeah. Will he? Probably not. Yeah. And it's just going to be difficult because he's probably a top four or five. I think he's probably a top five center in the West, but that's not going to be good enough. You know, like the like the guy, the the centers in the West that would go ahead of him were going to easily be 
you could start with just like Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis right there. Right. And I don't know if Anthony Davis is being fancied as a center. And I don't know if they even still do it. No, they, they don't. They, they just do. They stop, they stop doing positions. Wings and what is it? Wings. Well, and, so, so for the voting, they just do two guards and three forwards. Forward right. slash center. Yeah. Uh, and then I think for reserves, they're free to take whoever they want. I don't think that there's like a a quota that you have to meet. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's like it's just hard. And yeah. like the one thing, the league has not expanded all star game rosters. Like the, there are more teams now than there were 20 years ago or 25, 30 years ago. But yet the all star rosters remain the same. So um, as you get more players in, there's just fewer spots. So it, like, yeah, he could he could get there. But it there's just like it, He's not going to get voted in, in all likelihood, unless Rockets fans or Turkey steps up. But like, it's just going to be like somebody like Victor Wembanyama could wind up getting voted in. You know, yeah. he's, these things tend to be popularity contests when it comes to the All Star voting. Though he, uh, I guess, with the starters, though they they use media too, so they don't necessarily he's, use it. Adam. Vote. He's got he's got some underrated popularity in the basketball nerd community. You know this. Are we talking about Shingun? Yeah. Oh, he, uh, no like I, I, I don't I don't think he's going to get voted in. I don't want to miss be misunderstood here. But he's an underrated basketball nerd darling. Like I, I'm looking up right before we got on here to record and I see that Kyle Kuzma is tight for whatever Kyle Kuzma's opinion is worth. But he's over here talking about how Alperen Shingun is the next great center. Very random to me that that's Kyle Kuzma's take and, and that he's weighing in on Alperen Shingun as the player on Twitter. But, man, like, and he's not the first guy. We've heard Paul George talk glowingly about Alperen Shingun. Watch out for the basketball nerd community, man. I feel like he is a basketball nerd darling. When, when it comes to starters, players get a vote. Fans get a vote, media gets a vote. So, you know, maybe if he wins the media and players vote, maybe that gives him an opportunity to get in there as, as a starter. I just, it's just so hard in the West. It's just really, really difficult to get there uh, in the Western Conference, especially when you are on a team that does not play on any sort of a big stage. I mean, the Rockets will not play. They will play one. They did not play a single national TV game last year. They play one ESPN game this year. Like, that's just not a lot of exposure nationally. So that's one thing that as the team gets better, like I think you'll see next year, they will be on national TV a decent amount. You know, maybe they'll get, you know, two handfuls of, you know, ESPN and TNT games. Like, that's how that's how you wind up being an all-star in this league, it seems like. All right, Adam. Thunder Rockets, Toyota Center, Wednesday night, SGA. Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren. It should be a good time. Looking forward to it, man. That's that's before they go back to Denver to play the Nuggets for the 37th time this year. Rockets need a win, man. That That is really the – we talked about a lot today, but the Rockets need a win. That's the big thing. Coming home, three-game losing streak on the road. You got one of the better teams in the NBA with one of the more intriguing matchups happening at Toyota Center. Rockets need a win. And you and I will probably do this again next week, man. See how things go against the Thunder. See how things go against the Nuggets. See where this team is next week. Sounds good. All right, man. That is Adam Spillane. I'm Brandon Scott. Austin Mendez handling things for us behind the scenes. Make sure that you rate, review, tell a friend.